The following program is for adult audiences only. Stephen Lancaster's Ghost Story is proudly sponsored by the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk Podcast. What you are about to hear is a true case file from paranormal investigator Stephen Lancaster. Rest for the wicked, or so they say. I prefer to say the wicked won't let me rest, courtesy of the mysterious and unpredictable Bluthanol Mansion. A relaxing weekend getaway from everything with my girlfriend at a gorgeous bed and breakfast in Wilmington, North Carolina, drastically changed at the mention of that cursed word. That cursed word, ghost. Damn that word. I just can't get away from it. This has been my destiny and the fact appears to be proven over and over again. Of course, when it comes to the supernatural and all things it encompasses, how could I say no to a murder, suicides, a secret passageway, a burning church, and a bizarre room believed to have been designed for private orgies? I couldn't say no. Neither could my girlfriend for that matter. In fact, she would have been pushing me out of the way and running at such a story if I had declined what was offered to us. When we arrived in Wilmington that Friday evening, neither one of us expected what would transpire after a night inside that mansion. We pulled up to this colossal building at 6.30 in the evening. I was impressed to say the least. I knocked on the door and a very tall Greek man answered in a very welcoming fashion. His name was Chris and he wasted no time offering me beer, wine, food, and help with our luggage. He had me at beer, but, you know, ultimately both he and his fiancée would be feeding Christina and me much in the caffeine department. Christina waited in the car while Chris escorted me to the attic suite. I was overwhelmed by the grandeur of this mansion. The antiques and restored beauty of the early 1900s shined throughout. I felt like I was in a museum. I did not want to touch anything. I like my privacy. I especially enjoy my privacy when I'm attempting to escape the paranormal world and enjoy time with Christina. So I booked us the attic suite, which is referred to as the Madison Room. The Madison Room is the only suite offered in the mansion. It is a very spacious room with a private bath, a fireplace, and honestly some rather creepy decor. I believe the wooden teddy bear nestled in a crib took the cake for both of us. In fact, it really seemed out of place. I have to admit, the room gave me an overall feeling of staying at Grandma's house. I am sure many can relate to that and understand exactly what I am saying. After Chris showed me the suite, I quickly ran out of the building to let Christina know the arrangements had been made. I could not wait for her to see the room, and I had to mention to her how creepy the house was. I mean, what, what did you expect? Christina and I hauled our luggage up three levels and finally unloaded everything in our suite. About an hour later, Christina was sitting by the window, staring down at the gardens below. I was sitting in one of the chairs, attempting to find something interesting to watch on cable television. 
Truth be told, I wasn't having much success. Out of the blue, Christina commented on seeing something that was just plain weird. As she was staring out the window, she witnessed a tall man in a trench coat and a fedora walk through the gardens. She described him as looking like he just walked out of the 1930s. He walked directly behind a large oak tree. Christina kept staring and waiting for him to continue walking, but he never did. The man seemed to just disappear behind the tree. Of course, neither one of us were thinking on a paranormal level at that point. A few hours later, as we were continuing to relax, something occurred that startled the both of us. One of the walls had a removable panel that allowed access to the crawl spaces throughout the roof. This access panel blended in perfectly with the rest of the wall. Neither one of us would have never discovered the panel if it had not opened on its own. As we were standing in the middle of the Madison room, the panel flew off the wall and hit a nearby dresser, causing a loud banging sound. Of course, we both jumped at the surprise and then, you know, just kind of laughed it off. Again, we weren't thinking anything paranormal. We simply dismissed the panel opening as a result of us walking around the room and causing vibrations or even possibly some kind of breeze coming through that area. Christina made a joke following this, suggesting that the fireplace in the room was a secret passageway. Little more on that later. The next morning, we were planning on hitting the town of Wilmington. We walked down through the amazing mansion and attempted to creep past the dining room on the first floor where the other guests were enjoying an excellent breakfast. Neither one of us was really interested in breakfast. That was when Angie, a very nice and eclectic lady, and fiancé Chris stopped us. She was the owner of the old Bluthanol mansion turned Angie's bed and breakfast. She of course invited us to breakfast, but all we could insist on was coffee. Angie wanted to make sure our stay was perfect. Believe me when I tell you this lady was the perfect host. Angie asked us how our first night in the building was. This prompted Christina to ask her about the man she saw walking outside and disappearing behind a tree the night before. Angie wasted no time laughing and simply said, Oh, that's just our ghost. There's that damn word. There's that damn word neither one of us could resist. She continued by describing what he looks like and where he can often be seen in the house. Angie said he likes to walk from the kitchen and into the living room, then outside into the gardens. I was more than amazed. Angie described this mysterious man exactly how Christina had described him to me the night before. What really impressed me was the fact that Christina had no prior knowledge of this guy. You just can't call something like that coincidence. I then proceeded to introduce myself as an author and paranormal researcher. Christina did the same. Angie was delighted and tickled to have actual paranormal investigators in her home. She asked us if we could investigate the ghosts that haunt the mansion and try to get her visual proof. Luckily for her and us, Christina and I always traveled with our equipment, so we, of course, said yes. We were there for the weekend and simply could not pass up such a unique opportunity. But something Angie said prompted me to inquire as to why she said ghosts, as in plural. Angie responded by saying there was also a female spirit who resided there. She also said it didn't matter if we found anything or not, she believed them to be there and very real. I told Angie we would need to interview her fully prior to investigating. We set up a time in the early afternoon to do just that. She also said we could have the run of the place after nightfall. The building was going to be ours to explore.
Angie needed to finish up entertaining her other guests, so we went ahead into downtown Wilmington for the morning. Christina and I returned early afternoon armed with our cameras to interview Angie. We met in the living room surrounded by gorgeous vintage furniture, paintings, and artifacts. Before interviewing her, Angie gave us a tour of the property. The house was so full of unique little nuances. For one, underneath the rug in the dining room was a button that could be pushed by your foot. That button caused a trap door in the ceiling to open. That was just so neat. All of the walls held old photographs that tied to the history of the property and the souls that once inhabited it. The mansion was just full of history. I stationed a camera on Angie as she sat on one of the couches. She began to tell her story. The area surrounding the old mansion seemed to have a curse on it. Angie told us stories of a once neighboring church that ended in death and a catastrophic fire. The priest of the church had gone away on a mission. He left the church in the hands of one of his nuns. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, she suffered from a terrible fall down the stairs inside. She remained on the floor in pain for one week until the priest returned. After discovering her, she died in his arms. Shortly after the nun's death, a fire with no known origin burned the church to the ground. The fire was so hot and blazing that it caught the side of the Bluthanol mansion on fire. Pictures of the infamous fire can be seen hanging inside Angie's bed and breakfast. The fire caused the mansion to be uninhabitable. Years would pass before Angie and Chris would come along making an offer on the home. Nobody wanted it prior to them considering all of the damage and renovation that would need to take place. Shortly after they acquired the home, both Angie and Chris started to experience strange occurrences in the building. As she described to us before, sightings of the infamous Fedora Man were becoming the norm. But it wasn't until the discovery of a murdered woman that the haunting activity rose to an all-time high. Angie told us the true story of a woman who was murdered by her husband. The woman apparently wanted to leave her husband, so she threw him out of the house. He broke in one night with a gun and shot his fiancée. She fell back onto a large wooden desk. As she attempted to call emergency services, he kept firing the gun off at her. She died shortly after, draped across that desk. Angie said this lady's furniture went up for auction and much of it sold. However, nobody would buy the desk because it had such a bad flavor to it. Angie purchased the desk for the bed and breakfast office. Little did I know until then, Christina and I had walked past that desk a dozen times. Angie continued with her stories and shared many guest experiences too. They all seemed very similar. They ranged from witnessing the mysterious man, as Christina did, to hearing music, female cries, and footsteps. Nothing was ever reported to be violent. She said the activity just had a natural and creepy feeling to it, considering all the dark history of the property. Angie described an instance with her husband when he was sleeping. Chris was awakened one night when the sheets he was sleeping under were slowly being pulled to the bottom of the bed. He quickly realized it wasn't Angie, but did claim to see a woman standing at the foot of the bed. This experience, coupled with many others, prompted Chris to push Angie to bring in a Catholic priest for an exorcism. However, she quickly talked him out of it. Angie also described often hearing light music on the second floor. She heard it so many times she memorized the melody. She hummed it to us. She then pointed out a few secrets of the house. Angie said in the room where we were staying there was a secret passageway 
behind the fireplace. She said that although she has never been in the room behind the fireplace, her husband had been once or twice just to see what it was. To begin with, it was rather unique that a fireplace would even be in an attic, let alone another entirely huge room behind it. I, of course, had to smirk at Christina considering she joked about the fireplace being a secret passageway the night before. After the interview, with hours to wait until dark, Christina and I decided to investigate our room in this intriguing fireplace. We grabbed a few cameras and a few lights to start examining the fireplace. Sure enough, there was a wooden panel in the back of the fireplace. Upon closer observation, we noticed handles attached to this panel. We would have never noticed this if Angie had not mentioned it. In fact, another observation showed that the fireplace was never even operable. So in a way, it was fake. I reached back and pulled on the handles and the panel slid toward me and out from underneath the brick. We shined our lights through this newly discovered entrance to find a colossal empty room with a few unique exceptions. In the center of the room was another room. However, this room had a little roof on it. The room was about the size of an average storage shed. It seemed so out of place. After a few Scooby-Doo and Hardy Boys jokes, we crawled through the entrance and started investigating the forgotten area. I noticed towards the left of the room were old gears, pulleys, and cranks that apparently at one time or another operated one of the first style elevators ever designed. Apparently during reconstruction after the fire, the elevator was forgotten about and completely built around. Christina and I entered the little room within the big room. Inside it looked like a huge walk-in closet. A few pieces of vintage ladies lingerie still hung from old clothes hangers. We both looked at each other puzzled. What would be the point of hiding a room inside a room full of ladies lingerie? And of course, you know, we both made a joke that it must have been a secret sex room. Christina scanned the area with a UV light commonly used by forensics teams to find blood samples or other substances that may help solve a case. She discovered a white substance across much of the floor. Now I will allow your imagination to run wild with that one. It could have been blood, or it could have been something else. We had no way to determine which. The room itself had a chill factor to it. When we first entered it was extremely hot, but as we continued finding clues about the origins of this room, the colder the air around us became. We crawled back through the fireplace to ponder everything we had heard and seen so far. Shortly after, I noticed a door on the opposite side of our room we had yet to explore. The door was locked. I walked downstairs to ask Angie about it, and she said it was another whole section of the attic, so she gave us a key. Christina and I entered the other part of the attic. Our room, the Madison, was directly in between the secret part of the attic and this now newly discovered section. There wasn't much in this new section. It was fairly wide open. While we were in the third section of the attic, I could faintly hear what sounded like a radio coming from behind us. I walked out and back into our room and I found one of our radios on the bed broadcasting white noise or static. Who turned it on? It wasn't one of us. While I was examining the radio, a large thud hit the roof above the section Christina was still investigating. This surprised her so much that she bolted out of the area without looking back. We were on the third floor and nothing was above that roof. There was especially nothing of such large size to fall and cause such a loud sound. It certainly wasn't a squirrel. The mysteries just kept coming. 
Christina and I decided to keep investigating the attic areas. We found old newspaper articles with headlines revolving around multiple suicide jumpers from the roof. This story just kept getting more interesting. Hours passed and we decided to start creeping through the rest of the house. Our first stop was the living room where we interviewed Angie. The first thing that grabbed my attention was how significantly colder it was in that room. I even said to Christina that my temperature gun was getting reads that should not be. These reads were claiming it was below 30 degrees in there, yet the thermostats on the wall said differently. The thermostat stated it was 73 degrees in the room. We went into the office with the infamous desk. The magnetic fields emitting from this desk were quite impressive. Wood is not a conductor, yet this desk was giving off more electromagnetic fields than a standard household refrigerator. Christina decided to sit in the dining room while I was planning on returning to the Madison room. As I reached the second level, I could very faintly hear what was described as a music box. The music was coming from the end of a long hall, which led to two other guest rooms. Nobody was currently staying in those rooms. There was no sign of a machine or other device that could be making this music. This was the exact melody that Angie hummed to me when she described hearing phantom music on the second floor. I continued to the Madison room and sat down on the bed for a minute. Within no time, I heard a male voice say, I don't think he can hear it. I, of course, jerked my head in the direction of the sound and it was coming from the center of the room. One more time I heard, I don't think he can hear it. My eyes focused further across the room to my cell phone on the windowsill. I realized I had not checked my phone in hours and it was placed on silence since we were investigating. I walked over and grabbed my phone. On the screen it said, one missed call. The call had just happened. I fell back into one of the chairs and started laughing. First I hear a voice infer twice that I couldn't hear something and then I discover at that very moment I was missing a phone call. That was bizarre, to say the least. Meanwhile, down in the dining room, Christina was about to capture something very remarkable. She was sitting at the dining room table asking questions in hopes of getting a response. Christina was asking questions about who lived there and what their purpose was. But it wasn't until she asked if the spirit residing there was the woman who was murdered when something amazing happened. Following that question, the sound of a gunshot echoed throughout the room. Christina immediately paused and then with a shaky voice to the camera she said, that sounded like a gunshot. Christina and I regrouped in the Madison to discover our findings. She was excited to say the least concerning the gunshot. I heard it plain as day on her video. Now there was nothing saying that something outside of the home made the sound. Maybe it was a car backfiring. The old house does have a lot of echo, but when considering the story at hand it's hard to say. That was certainly perfect timing on her part. The rest of the night went without incident. We could only show her what we knew of immediately. The rest would have to be reviewed before knowing for sure. But she was delighted to say the least. She lit up at the fact we shared in her experiences and none of this was even supposed to happen. Our vacation destination had turned into an investigation of a place full of mystery and rich stories. Angie wasted no time inviting us to return for a weekend. There is certainly enough there that went unexplained to warrant such a visit. But maybe next time, I'll finally get that vacation. I've seen some shit, and I'm gonna tell you about it. If 
you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. Join Stephen on Facebook at facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. That's facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative.